Good morning. Our uh, scripture this morning uh, is in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 8 and verse 11. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear down and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. This is the word of God for us. Did you know that psychologists now diagnose people with something called hurry sickness? I read an article about it in Psychology Today, which defines this as a malaise in which a person feels chronically short of time. Hurry sickness. It's when you feel this pressure to perform every task, every responsibility, everything that you're doing with uh, increased speed. I got to do this faster. I got to do this quicker. And of course, when you do that, you end up exhausted. <laughs> you're flustered and you're tired. Uh, in fact, there were some experts who wrote a book on this phenomenon, and they offer, in the book, they offer three symptoms to self-diagnose whether you have hurry sickness. Number one, you move from one checkout line to another because it's shorter. <laughs> Anybody else? Well, why not? <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just standing there. Like, and you've got to do it a little quickly because someone else is going to see that that line is shorter too, Right? So, so they say you, you, that's the one uh, for self-diagnosing hurry sickness. You move to, uh, from one checkout line to another. Uh, number two, you do the same thing in traffic. So in other words, you come to a light and you start to kind of assess. Uh, there's a tractor trailer in the right lane. I'll get in the left. Or there are six cars here and four cars there. Or coming out of a parking garage and you've got a multiple lane situation and you're going to kind of maneuver into the one that is best. Uh, and let's see, what was the third one? Uh, you multitask to the point that you forget one of the tasks. <laughs> um, and why do we do that? Why do people have hurry sickness? Because we've got places to be, right? We've got things to do. We've got important stuff going on. And I say that with sincerity. Because for many of us, we have a job. And, and the job you have is indeed important. It's part of what God has given you uh, in life. It's part of the lot that God has given you is that meaningful work. And you want to be the best you can be in your job. And you should be. You should strive for that. But that lends itself to hurry sickness because you don't just have your job. You also, for many, have a family. <laughs> and uh, you've got responsibilities there. So, uh, and if you're a parent, uh, boy, I mean, we could do a whole sermon. We could do a whole series. We could do a whole year on that, right? The importance of that. That as a parent, uh, God has called you to this season. 
He has called you to raise and nurture and train and disciple and care for your children. Something I'm really passionate about. (laughs) And, and, And parents, you need encouragement. And church family, let's continue to encourage and build up and equip and come alongside parents for this season. Your schedule as a parent how could it not be busy? How could it not be full? How could, how could it not feel like you've got this hurry sickness when you've got to get them to their basketball practice and you've got to take them to their slumber parties and to Bible quizzing? That's how you're going to spend your Sunday afternoon is cheering on the, the MCA Bible quiz team. And they've got ballet. And they've got a, depending on the age of the child, like right now Rachel and I have a newborn. So we're talking diaper changes, baths, Sitting down to read books when you've got toddlers giving chore assignments as soon as they're able. Um, you've got to take them to the dentist, take them to the doctor. All of a sudden, it's like, your schedule is full just with your family responsibilities. So again, I'm building a case here for why are we so hurried? Why are we so busy? Well, it's because of the important things that God has given us to do. He's given us meaningful work. He, he's given us family. Uh, or you have friends. You have friends that invite you over and want to spend time with you. And when they have a need, they kind of expect you to be able to show up for them. When they call on you, like, hey, I need, I need a helping hand. Could you be here? They expect that. They need that. You're fostering a friendship. You want to be reliable. And you volunteer here at church. And you volunteer at places in the community. And you want to invest in your marriage. For those of you who are married, you, you feel like this is a really important relationship. And I want to give all I can. I want to be the best I can be as a husband or a wife. But it's really hard to find time for that. And then here at the start of a new year, you've got these health and fitness goals. <laughs> but if you're anything like me, your schedule just does not seem to be cooperating with your health and fitness goals. <laughs> like, like what, what's going on here? This, this doesn't seem to be working real well. And so you feel like you've never got enough downtime. You feel like you never really catch your breath. And it's in some, some of those seasons where I find myself, and maybe you can, you can commiserate where it's like, I just need to dig deep. I just need to keep pushing. I just need to, to go really hard. And after you do that, you walk this really thin line of like burnout or breakdown or, or something is like, something is not going to be healthy in that situation. So I recognize the fact, and and again, this is probably one of those that's preached more at me than it is at you. Life is demanding. Life is challenging. Life is not easy. And really, that's no matter what your age, no matter what station in life you're at. You just can't cheat that 24-hour limit on a day, although we try. And I would say this, it's okay to be busy. So don't think that this morning I'm going to say we should be lazy, we should be slothful, we should be unproductive. It's okay to be busy. Most of us are busy. But I do think there's a difference between busyness and hurry. Hurriedness. There's a difference there between, between doing those things that God has called you to do and your schedule is full, which is busy, versus a life that is hurried. I look at the life of Jesus. I think Jesus was busy. But I'm not sure I can find... A place in scripture where he was in a hurry. Because I think he was intentional. I think he was calculated. And so he 
He counted the cost of his time. So like even in the, in the famous story where he flips over the tables of the money changers, you see that as like he could have done that the day before, but it's almost like he decided, like, today's already full, I've done enough, like, that'll be better for tomorrow. It wasn't just this, I can't take it anymore, frustration. And so I think Jesus knew his mission. He did. Jesus knew his mission on earth, and he was about that. He was laser-focused on that. And I think we should be the same way. So we're coming to the end of this sermon series, but throughout, we're talking about really time management principles, but not just things that we've learned from experience or life, but things we see modeled and taught in the life of Jesus. And so I think we can follow suit and walk in his ways in this way as well of not being in a hurry, being intentional with how we use our time, simplifying things, and, and really, and this is the title of the sermon, eliminating hurry. That's what we're going to talk about together this morning. So let me introduce myself. I'm John. I serve as lead pastor. Thrilled that you are here today. And I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. This is the last Sunday in this sermon series called Redeeming Your Time. It's based on Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. And we've also drawn uh, from a book by that same title by Jordan Rayner. And so over the past few weeks, as I said, we've learned really some time management principles from the life of Jesus, starting with the fact that time with the Lord in God's presence and in God's word is a non-negotiable. Like as we talk about time management, as we talk about how we're going to use the limited amount of time we have on earth, it begins with time spent with the Lord, time spent in his word. That's a non-negotiable. It was for Christ. We learned to let our yes be yes to block out the noise that distracts us, to prioritize our lives, and to embrace productive rest. That was last Sunday. And so today, we're going to talk about eliminating hurry. I I will say also, I, I, I won't give credit all throughout, but I will just at this point. For today's message, I'm drawing heavily from another book uh, by John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. So I don't want to give him credit for some of these ideas and thoughts. And maybe you're here today and you're thinking, well, what's so wrong with hurry? That's kind of my experience right now. I'm, I, I'm in a hurry and I'm okay with that. Um, boy, where do I start? <laughs> um, there's a problem. If, if we've got too much to do and not enough time, we're going to be in a hurry. And there's a problem with that. Um, we're going to speed. We're going to start to speed up our mind. We're going to speed up our body. We're we're going to speed things up in our relationships, including our relationship with God. And it's going to be a lifestyle of this frenetic pace that's not sustainable. And really, I would say this: it's out of sync with the flow of Jesus. So theologian Dallard, uh, Dallas Willard says it this way. He's really the one who coined this, this idea of eliminating hurry. But here's what he says. He says, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Let me tell you about an experiment that took place in 1973 at uh, Princeton University's uh, Theological Seminary. And maybe you've heard of it. If you've studied psychology, you've heard of it. It's called the Good Samaritan Experiment. 
it was done with, it was done at that particular seminary, Princeton Seminary. So it was done with the seminary students. So these were people who were studying to become pastors and theologians and church leaders. And so the participants in the study were asked to prepare a three to five minute Bible lesson. So they came in to the office building and they sat down with their notebooks and their, uh, their Bibles. You know, they probably didn't have laptops back then. And so after spending a few minutes preparing their three to five minute Bible lesson, a research assistant would come into the room and say, thank you. Are you, are you prepared to give your thing? Okay, right now, things are actually kind of full in this building. We need you to go to another building. So we're in building one. We need you to go to building two. That's where you'll be given, giving your, your speech. The participants didn't know they were going to have to move to a different building. Uh, so the, the researchers, the experiment kind of fabricated that. Hey, you got to go. You got to move on. But here's where the participants were broken into three distinct groups. Some of them, the first group, they were told, you need to move to building number two. That's where you'll give your speech. You've got plenty of time. Like if you leave right now and walk over there, uh, you'll have a few minutes of, of downtime before you give your speech. So if you leave now, you've got a little bit of buffer. You've got a little bit of time. The second group was told, hey, you need to go to this building to give your speech. If you leave right now, you'll be on time. So would you please head over there and give your speech? The third group, you can probably guess what they were told, but they were told, hey, we need you to go to this building. If you leave right now, you're going to be late. You better get going. So three different groups who were told you're going to go to this other building. One is going to be early. The other is going to be on time. The third group is going to be late. Here's where it gets really fun. There's a man a stranger who's positioned between the two buildings and he is an actor, a paid actor who has fallen and is pretending to be hurt. So here he is lying on the ground and he is moaning and groaning and pretending that he's injured and he's signaling them for help. He's kind of like weakly, half-heartedly kind of uh, like trying to, trying to signal them for help. He's like coughing and wheezing, and, and he's just put right in the path of these, of these people. So here's what we're going to learn from the experiment. We're going to learn who stopped to help him. Was it the people who thought they had a few extra minutes of time, the people who thought they were going to be on time, or the people who were running late? The results are probably exactly what you're going to guess of the first group, the ones who had extra time, 70% stopped to help. So seven out of 10 stopped to help the man and see what was going on with him. For the middle group who was told they'll be there on time, it was about half. It was about 50% that stopped to help him. Now we get to the third group. You're going to be late. You better go give your lesson. How many do you think stopped to help? It's less than half. Do you think it's less than 25% or more? It's less. 10%. <laughs> Only one out of 10 of the group that was in a hurry. Oh, and the Bible study that they were asked to give a lesson on was on the Good Samaritan. <laughs> They've literally just been preparing to give this speech about helping the one who is lying there but when they're in a hurry, 90% of them walked on by without even stopping to help. Why? Because they were in a hurry. 
But I think in this twisted way, sometimes we want to we wanna be busy and we want to be in a hurry. It's, it's, can I say this? That in, in a way, it's almost a mark of pride. Like, how many times have you had the conversation that goes, are you staying busy? And you go, mm-hmm, and they go, good. And you're like, like, I just got an attaboy by saying, mm-hmm, because I've agreed that I'm busy. Like the guy who was setting up shop, he came back to his hometown after being away, and he's building a new business, and he wants everyone to think that he's really, really busy, even though business was very slow. And he's just getting set up. And so he sees a customer who's coming into the shop, and immediately he picks up his phone. And, and uh, as he has the phone, he kind of waves, you know, waves the, the customer in. And then he fabricates this conversation. He's like, no, absolutely not. You tell those clowns in New York we won't settle for anything less than a million dollars. Why, yes, my team here is briefed. We're ready to go. Just give us the green light. I'll talk with the CEO. Okay, get right on that. Thank you. Goodbye. You know, he's kind of rolling his eyes. Hey, sorry about that. As you can see, really busy here. Uh, what can I do for you? Guy says, I'm from Spectrum. I'm here to hook up your phone. <laughs> I think in this twisted way, it's almost like we, we want to have this this hurry and this busyness, but, but I'm here to tell you this morning, like when you consistently hurry to and fro, here and there, back and forth, you are susceptible to missing out on God-ordained opportunities that might just be lying in your path. The Lord puts those things right in front of you. I love this quote from Corey Ten Boom. She says, if the devil can't make you sin, <laughs> he'll make you busy. And I get it. As we look at the life of Jesus, things are drastically different for us today than they were in the first century. Like, it's, it's a different culture. But I, I continue to look at the life of Jesus and see he had the same time management challenges that we have. He had, the, he had demands on his schedule. He had interruptions. And again, while, while Jesus was certainly busy, I don't think we ever see him hurried. So again, what, what is the difference there between busyness and hurry? Busyness is having a lot of meetings on your calendar. Hurry is when you schedule them back to back to back to back, and it forces you to sprint from one to the other, and, and now I'm running five minutes late, and now I'm running ten minutes late. Busyness is having a lot of errands to run. Hurry is when you get mad because you chose the wrong line. <laughs> and you see that other person and they checked out ahead of you even though you were there first. Busyness might be attending Bible study. That's one more thing that's on your calendar that, that leads to you being busy. As I'm, I'm part of this Bible study, but hurry is not having enough time and not cultivating a heart that listens to God's voice through that study and through his word. So speaking of God's word, let's open the Bible this morning. Turn to Luke chapter 14. 
great teaching from our Lord Jesus. We've actually been in this passage in, uh, I don't know, one or two of the other sermons from this series. But he teaches us about redeeming the time. He teaches us about counting the cost of following Jesus and what it's going to mean. So Luke chapter 14, let's start in verse 25. It says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And then he teaches this lesson. He gives a He gives an illustration, verse 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and you're not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Another illustration, verse 31. Or suppose the king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he'll send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and he'll ask him for terms of peace. And in the same way, Jesus says, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. This is a harsh teaching of Christ. This is black, or, black and white thinking. This is all in. And again, I, I've touched on this, so I'm not going to say much more this morning on that. But, but it's like just as silly as starting a war you know you cannot win or a building you cannot complete is following Jesus without considering what is it that he has asked. What is it? Before I say I'm a follower of Jesus, before I say I'm saved by grace, before I say I'm a Christian... What is it that he's asking of me? What is this going to require? And so the teaching of Jesus here, my friends, it speaks to being intentional. It's not going to be haphazard. It's not going to be because of my grandpa. It's intentionality. It's going in with eyes wide open. And guys, let me just tell you this. The life with Christ is amazing. Maybe you haven't heard that this week. Maybe you, maybe you haven't heard that today. I, I want to tell you this. With all sincerity, the life with Christ, it doesn't get better. No, nothing is better. Nothing is sweeter than a life lived in Christ, walking in communion and fellowship with your creator through his son, Jesus Christ. All the world has. There is nothing the world can offer you that competes. They offer imitations. They offer cheap knockoffs. They offer facades. They offer lies. You know, our culture will say to us, you're enough. You're good enough. You're strong enough. You're smart enough. Our culture says, you've got what it takes. It says, be who you want to be. Do what you want to do. No restrictions. No limits. No consequences. That's not what the word of God says. There's this reality that each and every person has sinned 
we've done wrong, and there are consequences for that. The consequence for sin, any sin, by the way, is condemnation. It's eternal separation from a holy and loving God. But if we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we do, just as he has said here, and count the costs, and say, it's Jesus or it's the world. It's Jesus or it's money. It's Jesus or it's my family. If we count the cost, if we say yes to Christ, I'm going to put my faith in you. I'm going to live for you. He forgives us. He restores us, redeems us. He purchases us so that we are not our own, but we belong to him. And he then invites us into this life that is redeemed by him. And then the life lived out of that is a life where we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for Christ and we proclaim the good news to others. In fact, that's what our next sermon series is about. So I want to invite you to come back next Sunday. We're ex- really excited. We're going to spend seven weeks in the book of Acts, a uh, brand new sermon series, uh, looking at seven sermons from the early church. So sermons that were preached from guys like Peter and Paul. These are like the first sermons that the early church preached in the book of Acts. And so uh, it's called Proclaim the Gospel has come. This is going to be a great tool for helping us achieve our vision to share the life-giving power of Jesus with the world. So I hope that you'll join us for that starting next Sunday. And, and for today, as we talk about eliminating hurry from our lives, if we want to redeem our time, if we want to model our lives after Jesus, we've got to press on with the mission that he has given us, with the purpose that he instills in us, but without becoming so hurried that we fail to accomplish it. We've got to pursue the mission, but we can't be so hurried that we fail in the mission. And so, if you're like me, you're asking immediately, okay, how do I, okay, there's this great proposition on the table this morning, which is eliminate hurry. How do I do that? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I want to finish this morning by looking at three ways to eliminate hurry from our lives. The first is simplicity. Simplicity. We need to simplify. Part of the reason that you're so hurried, well, it's because you're making room for things that have no place in your life. So part of the the strategy for becoming unhurried, as Alan Fowlin calls it in his book, The Unhurried Life, is to cut those things out which have no you, you have no room for. They're not all evil things, bad things. Some of those are good things. Right? So Think back to last Sunday, we talked about Sabbath. We we, we talked about uh, the importance of rest. The importance of taking time to refresh and recharge. What are those things? What are those activities? How is it that God has wired you so that you can be refreshed and renewed for the work that God has given you? So the thing, so as you talk about, as we talk about simplifying our lives, the things that refresh you, The things that recharge you, yes, absolutely. Keep those things. Make time for those things. Leave those things in. What about the things that are time wasters? What about the things that take up giant chunks of time that really it's it's exorbitant how much time they take? Or the things that you do, but then you're tired after you do? Well, very simply put, no. We need to learn to cut those things out of our lives. We need to simplify. And that's based on our priorities (laughs) and our values. There are times, listen, I want you to hear this. There are times where you need a digital detox. 
like the world we're living in, with the technology at our fingertips, there are times, and you need to build this into your life. You need to simplify in this way. You need to master the smartphone. There are times where you need that sort of digital detox. Put down the device. Tune into what the Lord is saying to you. Starting on February 14th, uh, that's uh, well, Valentine's Day, but it, that's Ash Wednesday. That's the start of a season known as Lent. It's the days leading up to Easter. I just want to put it out there for us this morning. That is a great season to simplify. It's about six weeks. And so historically, what you can do during that time is you can fast. Now, I'm not talking about avoiding food and drink during that time. I'm talking about there are lots of things that you could fast. Uh, Chocolate, social media, TV, secular music, like whatever it is. But those things that I want you to consider even now, and I realize that's 10 days out. But during the Lenten season, the six weeks leading up to Easter, would you consider doing something to simplify your life? Why? Because you want to eliminate hurry from your life. Here's what Jesus teaches. So I want to take us to Matthew chapter 6. So starting in verse 16, our Lord says, when you fast. So side note, the expectation there for the follower of Jesus is fasting. (laughs) When you fast, whether it's a weekly thing, a monthly thing, a quarterly thing, an annual thing, that's a spiritual discipline that should be part of your life. When you fast, Jesus said, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And then check it out, what Jesus says here. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So don't give me the line about, oh, I'm going to be really hungry. I'm going to fast, but I'm just going to complain all the time about how I don't have what I want to have and what I'm giving up. Take me to Matthew 6, 18 and say, well, I shouldn't know you're fasting anyway, right? Based on this teaching, but, and say, hey, I've been fasting and guess what? God is rewarding me. Aren't God's rewards better than the chocolate you've given up? Aren't God's rewards better than the television programming you've decided to forego or the social media that you're taking a break from? Like, here's good news from the mouth of our Lord Jesus that when you enter into his rhythm, his pace, his practices, the unhurried life that Jesus models and teaches and expects of us, you will be rewarded. So consider that for about six weeks leading up to Easter 2024. Whatever it is that God has for you, it's way better than what the world has. Um, in his book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer has this whole teaching about uh, taking your smartphone and turning it into a dumb phone. (laughs) Uh, So he has all these action steps, too, uh, where he talks about how you do that. And even if it's just for a season or for a day, but take your smartphone and turn it, it's it's gold. I I love that. But consider that. What, What do you need to simplify? Do you need to go offline? And maybe you can't go offline because of school or because of work, but can you go offline otherwise just for your personal life? 
What would God have you forego so that you can simplify your life? Get away from hurry. Tune in to him. Listen. Linger in his presence. Maybe it's simplifying your routine. You just see these, these touch points where it's like, I'm always feeling rushed. I'm always feeling busy. And I'm going to work against that. I'm going to simplify there. Maybe it's simplifying your budget or your wardrobe or your schedule. Would you consider that as a step to, yes, I believe we can eliminate hurry from our lives. But it happens when we simplify. The second key is schedule. I mean that as a verb. <laughs> Like you, you schedule, you prepare, you plan. You, you start with the most important things and you make sure that they're in your planner. So that, that means that's your Sabbath, your time to recharge and refresh. That's your recreation, your downtime. That's your family time. That's your exercise plans. Again, I'm preaching to myself more than you. You schedule, you, you plan those things, you, you, you prepare for those things, your devotional time, your tasks, your chores, your errands, your meetings, your work responsibilities, like schedule those things. They all go in and then don't feel bad when your schedule reaches capacity and you have to say no. No to others, no to yourself. Uh, I think it was a few weeks ago we talked about to-do lists. <laughs> and like just how there's, there's this there's a sense of satisfaction when you check things off of your to-do list. Like I love check marks. It feels so good to be getting those things done. I think eliminating hurry, as we talk about it this morning, it means allowing the Lord to give us wisdom in what goes on that to-do list. What is it that I'm planning to do? And listen, God will help you. And again, this morning, it's not as if we're trying to be lazy. It's not as if we're trying to become bored or unproductive. But Lord, help us. If we are in such a hurry that we don't stop to help the man who's lying in the street. And the scriptures affirm there is a season for every activity, right? Phil read for us this morning from Ecclesiastes 3, a beautiful and well-known passage. There is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens. Solomon makes that clear, like, there's a time to search. That's what God has called you to do. Go after it, find it, pursue it. There's a time to give up. Okay, I've got other things that are more demanding. I've got other things that are more important. There's a time to keep. I need this. I'm going to need this tomorrow. The baby's going to need this. There's a time to throw away. I need to simplify. I need to get rid of this. Need to unload. Need to get rid of this baggage. I just love, I love that passage. God makes everything beautiful in its time. So as we, talk, as we talk about your schedule and how you plan things out, like when you are at your best, you have margin. So when an interruption comes, and it will inevitably come, you have a pace that is productive but not hurried. So we simplify we schedule. The third key this morning to eliminating hurry is to slow down. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm so glad that you're here this morning. And by the way, aren't the chairs at MCA very comfortable? You know, I've been in some churches that have these wooden pews, and oh my goodness, 
Maybe you stay awake better, but those things are not comfortable. But I, I'm glad you're here this morning because we're in God's presence. We're studying God's word, and it's a day to rest. It's a day to be still. It's a day to, to hopefully silence those distractions and tune in to what God is saying. And you haven't noticed it, but even like your heart rate has slowed during this time. Some of you a little too much. Um, you're, 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 slow, you're slowed down and that's good because we're tuning in to what God has for us. Again, God makes everything beautiful in its time. So is there a time where you got to step on the gas and you got to go? Absolutely. And certainly in the life of the church. VBS week. <laughs> that's go time. You step on the gas. You, you're exhausted that week. Um. Or, or, or in, in your life, uh, it might be the deadline for the project, or if you're a college student, finals week. There are times where, yes, you, you, you step on, your, on, on the gas. But what I'm talking about is our everyday, regular, daily, weekly rhythm and pace. And it should be sustainable, not 100 miles an hour. Because here's the thing, if you're anything like me, when you're hurried, you're impatient. You're grumpy, you're irritable you're kind of not fun to be around. <laughs> and I think, what, what a poor witness for Jesus. If his followers are just grumpy, irritable people who are always rushing around to and fro from one thing to next, 2 Peter 3, 9 tells us that the Lord is patient with us. So don't you think if God is patient, his people should be too? In fact, I, I wonder even on Sundays... Sometimes, why we rush to the church building so? Like, slow down. Build, build a little bit of extra time for the buggies and the traffic and the parking and the walking into the church building and the getting your cup of coffee and the greeting one another and the entering the sanctuary and the preparing to worship Almighty God. Can I just recommend that for some of us, we need to just add 10 minutes and it would make all the difference in the world. Ten minutes to prepare our hearts for worship. To slow down on a day that's all about slowing down. But it goes beyond Sundays. It's not just, it's not just on Sundays that we need to slow down. I'm talking about this, this, this pace, this rhythm. And there, there are lots of ways we can do this in our everyday lives. And maybe this is a Lent thing for you. Going to leave it between you and the Holy Spirit. Maybe you say during Lent, you're not going to exceed the speed limit. Why are you guys laughing? I mean, I tell jokes sometimes and you laugh, but that you guys are cracking up. Like, this is the funniest thing you said all day. Again, that's between you and the Holy Spirit. Maybe consider, what would it look like if for six weeks you said, my vehicle is not going to exceed the speed limit? It would force you to slow down. What if you said, during this time, I'm going to come to a full and complete stop at every stop sign? <laughs> what if you said, I am not going to text and drive. If I'm on the road and I need to respond to a text, I am going to do what I tell my teenagers to do, which is to pull over and stop, put it in park, and then get out my phone and text. If you did that, it would force you to slow down. What if every time at the supermarket you looked for someone else and said, hey, go ahead, go in front of me. Everyone tries to get in front of me at the supermarket, by the way, because they're like, doomsday prepper. <laughs> I'm like, nope, just a Tuesday. <laughs> I 
As I, as I encourage us this morning to slow down, I think another part of this is pursue a passion that when you're doing it, you lose track of time. And maybe that is only once a quarter or, or on, your, on your Sabbath. I don't know what it is, but, but pursue a passion where you just lose track of time. You're making music or you're gardening or cooking or you're, you're hunting, fishing, hiking, reading. Like those things, they help us to slow down. They help us to cultivate this unhurried life. And again, this is modeled, this is taught by Jesus. So if we go to Mark chapter 1, verse 35, we see Jesus doing this yet again, where it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He had so much to do that day and every other day. But he said, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to spend time before God, my heavenly father. And listen, I'll tell you, for high energy people, this can be really challenging. This can be really difficult. What it takes is discipline. <laughs> to slow down, to say, I'm going to eliminate hurry from my life. But as we look to Christ, we see that he was disciplined during his time on earth. He did this. He, he walked this way. He was driven. He was busy. He was wildly productive. And yet he was not hurried. I think it's because he was intentional about his priorities and his lifestyle. And he made this choice to eliminate hurry. We can do the same thing. So let me encourage you with it this morning that the Lord will help you. <laughs> Give it to him. Seek him. You want to make the absolute most of your short time on earth. So put it in God's hands. Allow him to direct, to direct. Allow him to guide. Say, I don't want to be the guy that rushes off to give a story, a, a, a Bible lesson on the Good Samaritan and overlook a guy who needs help. How absurd. Because I'm, I'm, I'm telling you guys, the choice you make today has impact for eternity. Our choice today to put our faith in Jesus and, and to say, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to walk in his rhythm and his pace. It affects your life and your family's life and in your workplace and in your core group and in our church and in our community and throughout the world. Because it's followers of Jesus living in the way of Jesus. So maybe you look at your life this morning. Yeah. Hurry. I'm the queen of hurry. You've described it. There's too much to do and there's not enough time. I just want to humbly, as your brother in Christ, say, there's a better way. That Christ invites you. He calls you into this life of following him and walking in step with his spirit. And it's a life without hurry. It's a life with joy and peace. It's the way of Jesus. It's unhurried. It's open to interruptions where we are present with people, where we are aware of how the Lord is moving and we are redeeming the time. Let's pray together. Oh, good and gracious, loving Heavenly Father, what a joy, what a delight it is to study your word. God, help us to understand even more fully the mysteries of the gospel, the challenge of your words, Jesus, 
that say we can't be your disciple unless we take up our cross. We cannot be your disciple unless every other relationship or priority or commitment looks like hatred. And so, Lord, help us. And Lord, we self-diagnosed this morning with hurry sickness. And we confess freely that that sickness has led us into this place of almost being prideful about how busy we are. But Lord, we're broken over the thought of walking past the one who needed help. We're convicted, Lord, over not hearing you because things were so loud. Of pushing ourselves to the point of exhaustion when you were calling us to a different way. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that by your Holy Spirit, you would bring that discipline into our lives. Help us, O Lord, to simplify as we look to create a schedule that's in sync with you as we simply slow down. And even now, Lord, in your presence, we slow down to recognize that you are God and we are not. Thank you, Lord, that you save us that you protect us from the enemy, but also from ourselves. Help us, O oh God, to redeem our time, to make the most of this short time you've given us on earth. They would all be for your glory, your honor, and the furtherance of your kingdom. How we long to see even more come into saving faith and a relationship with God through Christ. So Lord, help us in this mission, we pray, to share the life-giving power of Jesus with the world. We ask it in his name, in his name alone. Amen.